Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished professional from Singapore, Jade Feinberg. Jade, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, Jade is the Director, Carbon Markets, Nature-Based Solutions at KPMG. So Jade, before we talk sustainability, tell me about your own journey in brief. Sure. So I grew up in South Africa, and I really believe it is a land of hope and optimism, which has provided a diverse perspective on the world, particularly to me. Mm. How things were, how things are, and how things should be. Mm. Um, So through this, it took me on a journey of curiosity, leading me to explore my passions, um, to connect dots and answer questions. So from art and languages to diverse cultures, growing up in South Africa at a pivotal point um, in the country's history, to living in Italy, which really stimulated all my senses from sight to touch to taste to hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, Australia, so I lived in Australia for a while um, to explore family connections. The reason why this has occurred in the global nature of the family that I was lucky to be born into, very diverse family. Yeah. Um, and now I'm in Singapore, exploring mm-hmm. Asia, a region diverse in language and culture and history mm-hmm. and really being seen as an engine for growth. Um, and now particularly linking to what I do, which we'll dive into a bit further, a pivotal piece in the global sustainability puzzle. Amazing. You also state, uh, Jade, that the future of profit is purpose. Well, I understand it briefly. Help me understand what exactly you mean and if possible, give me an example. Sure. So sustainability for me is not a new concept. Mm. Um, Sustainable business, or let's use a common term, a going concern, is an accounting term um, Mm. or assumption that a business will continue for the foreseeable future with enough resources to be financially stable and avoid liquidation or bankruptcy. Mm. That's sustainability. And it's been around for quite a long time. But if we take the Um, more recent crisis, the COVID crisis, which we have now um, all lived through, Mm -hmm. and the global challenges that resulted from that, we can explain this concept of future of profit is purpose. Mm -hmm. Let's use um, financial institutions and fintechs as an example. So according to the World Bank, in developing countries, other than China, Mm -hmm. 40% of people who made a digital payment from their account did so for the first time Mm -hmm. at the start of the pandemic. So this crisis was really a game changer for the financial services sector. The adoption of online banking, digital payments, and e-commerce soared as Mm. consumers turned to technology to fulfill their everyday needs during lockdown. So through their core businesses, they were in a unique position to drive financial inclusion, enabling marginalized communities to participate in the digital economy. Mm. The shift towards digital financial services has driven greater financial inclusion globally, Mm. having dual benefits, profits for the financial institutions by accessing an untapped market, Mm. as well as enabling the unbanked and potentially undeserved population Mm. to participate in the economy more profoundly. Mm. Interesting. And now let's move to sustainability. Uh, When I was reading about you, you talk about nature-based solutions. Tell me about some of these solutions that you are working with. So nature-based solutions um, is inspired by nature's processes and functions Mm -hmm. to tackle societal challenges like climate change, 
disasters, water security, biodiversity, etc. Mm. And this is to protect and sustainably manage and restore natural or, let's say, modified ecosystems mm. to address these societal challenges. So nature-based solutions and interesting statistics, um, $170 billion US dollars is estimated in global benefit from ecosystem services. Mm -hmm. So a bee, which pollinates a flower, would be an ecosystem service. Mm -hmm. um, the water that you get and you drink would potentially come into sort of an ecosystem service. Mm -hmm. So how do we restore these natural equilibriums and natural ecosystems? So one solution potentially would be a mangrove. So a mangrove creates um, biodiversity, um, and stabilizes that ecosystem that's present, as mm. well as sequesters carbon. So if we look at nature, it's actually broken down into sort of four biomes. There's land, mm. fresh water, ocean, and carbon, or the atmosphere. Mm. And through working on these four biomes, we are able to hopefully restabilize the ecosystems which um, exist in that. And that's both flora and fauna, mm. for us to get our honey, for us to get our water, um, and everything else that relates um, to the de daily lives we live, which we don't mm. realize um, all comes from nature. Mm. Interesting. And when we talk about nature, you know, and someone was telling me the other day that the big positive of the pandemic, that we gave Mother Nature time to heal herself, mm. as a result of which, you know, we suddenly had animals out on roads and so on and so forth. Mm. I'd love to get your perspective on are human beings uh, really, uh, or do do do, or do re human beings really need to back off so that uh, nature can heal herself? So, I don't think nature needs us. We need nature. Correct. And I think there's a big um, change in mindset and hopefully behavior resulting from that. Mm. I think throughout the last hundred years, we've industrialized and it's been fantastic for human growth. Mm. But I do think that there has been an expense of nature mm. um, and nature is suffering. And we saw that during the pandemic. I think nature and the animals and everyone was quite happy mm. that maybe, you know, humans had backed off a little bit from, yes. from their natural environments. Correct. Uh, my mom always says that the oceans belong to the animals that live within, not to humans, and therefore we do not belong to swim there. Um, and I thought that's an interesting, an interesting point of view. Um, nature exists in harmony. Um, and I think as top of the pyramid, if you think about it, we've we've lost that harmonious interaction maybe which the hunter and gatherers had before settlements resulted and agriculture um, took place. Mm. So now we're trying to almost get back to our roots and see how we can use nature. We, we use it from a biomimicry perspective, um, mm. which influences our planes and our trains and other infrastructure. But I think now we're really trying to see how we can help nature. Um, I, don't, I don't want to say fix nature, but help nature and help ourselves to coexist within that ecosystem that we live in fascinating and now when we talk of corporate boardrooms mm. how seriously is this whole challenge of sustainability really being taken mm. in corporate boardrooms or is it a, just a lot of talk that is happening so sustainability has become an increasingly important topic at board level so even though it's not necessarily fully understood um, in some regions more so than, than other um, Asia is catching up it's catching up really quickly um, so the Singapore Exchange mandated training for all of the, all of their board directors, which has really brought that agenda right up to the board, where it's potentially it was sitting in middle management or operations. Mm. So 
each and every person now um, acknowledges that sustainability is an important topic and hence cares about sustainability or at least the perception of how their business is seen from a sustainability perspective, hmm. both in regard to the investors as well as their consumers. Right. So recently there was a BSG survey hmm. and we noticed that 91% of directors believe they need to spend more time on the strategic aspects of ESG, so hmm. environmental, social and governance aspects. Hmm. Yet more than half of these respondents in the same survey believe that the tools at their disposal um, are ineffective in integrating ESG into their strategy and governance. So what we can see is that it is becoming a board agenda topic. Mm -hmm. How that is being viewed, whether it's from a risk and opportunity perspective is changing. Mm -hmm. um, the task force for climate related disclosures um, has also been mandated in a few jurisdictions, um, and that's being rolled out. And that's and that's really driving how the board is viewing the risks and opportunities which are related from climate. Mm -hmm. The other point now, which is um, topical, is nature. So the task force for nature-related disclosures is coming out. Mm -hmm. That is not mandated yet. The framework will be finalized towards the end of the year. Mm -hmm. But because of what's happening with TCFD and the climate-related disclosures, Everyone's now sitting up and taking note of what's happening with the nature-related disclosures mm. because the conversation is not slowing down. So I think everyone thought this might be a, a trend, but it's actually not a trend. It's becoming um, enforced in, in regulations and compliance, and hence the board does need to take up and stand notice. Mm. Interesting. My next question to you is uh, that, you know, Bill Gates, uh, I remember reading an article, said that we only have 10 years left. You know, he was referring to climate change. He's talking of sustainability. Uh, I would love to get your perspective on what is really happening, on in, you know, in 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 uh, in the world when it comes to sustainability, and why did Bill Gates want to put some kind of a number to it? So I I haven't heard about um, Bill Gates's point. So I think that's um, very interesting, and I'd like to learn more about why he said that. I'll send you a copy of that. Great, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Um. In terms of the timeline, we are all working towards net zero before 2050. Mm -hmm. uh, most governments globally are working towards that decarbonization strategy. And we're working with a lot of multinationals as well as a lot of SMEs mm -hmm. towards that net zero decarbonization. And there's a lot of innovation, which is fantastic coming, coming out of the global um, ecosystems. Mm -hmm. So the devil is in the details as to how we peak these emissions in the next few years and then make the cut down to net zero. It's complicated, um, and there are different states of the economies, um, whether you compare developed economies to developing economies, mm -hmm. different sectors, consumer demands, trends, and, of course, geopolitics. Mm -hmm. um, I think we all know what happened last year with Ukraine and Russia, and that has added to the conversation, the sustainability conversation, both um, from positive and negative. Governments are needing to look after their people. Um, mm -hmm. They're needing to secure energy sources. They're needing to have warmth and food. Um, so that's what they look at a lot of the time, say the social aspects, mm. but what does that do to the environmental aspects and the net zero commitments and the decarbonization journey? Mm. So I think the next 10 years, if we go back to what Bill Gates said, is a is a pivotal time for what we're looking at. Mm. The science is out. We know that um, we have a shortened period of time to so-called mm. fix this. Mm. Um, and we do have the tools to fix this. It's Correct. just about now how we how we engage, um, I think, for the first time on a globalized, globalized scale mm. to have conversations, you know, um, 
the US, the China, Singapore, Africa. We, we can't fix this in a bubble. We mm. really need to have global, globally aligned conversations. Mm. And for the first time, we're really integrating the whole supply chain because end-to-end, we need to find solutions to, to work towards the, let's call it net zero agenda. Mm. I also understand uh, from some other conversation that the whole start of the sustainability movement started when the former Secretary General of the UN reached out to a lot of the big private equity players and said, please start asking for a sustainability strategy from the companies that you invest in. So my question to you is, why is sustainability so crucial for financial markets? So sustainability for financial markets is a, it's an interesting one. Um, I think a lot of funds have flowed into the sustainability, into the financial markets from a sustainability perspective. Mm -hmm. And it's critical to make a meaningful difference without solely focusing on profits or the bottom line. Mm -hmm. So like we go back to, it's a chance for profit with purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is becoming more and more popular with ESG assets under management, having recently surpassed $40 trillion worldwide. Mm -hmm. And it's even expected to swell to a third of all assets by 2025. Mm -hmm. Impact investors or philanthropy has been around for a long time, but generally this was a check which was written by um, upper management and provided um, on a good good feel basis. Mm -hmm. Now, impact investors are looking towards other courses to really get a financial return. Mm -hmm. Um, And these mandates are commonplace. Uh, Most um, asset managers, um, funds, even philanthropies are looking to how the financial markets, capital markets links to a philanthropy perspective Mm -hmm. and creating various hubs in that market Mm -hmm. to drive impactful, measurable, credible investments, Mm -hmm. which have... um, a true impact to get that return out of. Um, we've also recently seen green taxonomies, um, sustainable sustainability-linked bond frameworks to mm. strengthen the overall governance process and facilitate sustainable finance, mm. which allows for the creation and use of numerous types of sustainable um, financial instruments, such as the green bonds. So financial market players um, absolutely cannot ignore the mm. role of sustainability in this decade, particularly, um, otherwise, I do believe they'll risk missing out on a um, gigantic part of the investment universe. Mm, well said. Thank you for a great response. My next question uh, to you, Jade, is, uh, and I go back uh, to my time in Singapore, when one of the very powerful political leaders in the region, uh, when he was addressing the Brazil conference, said that uh, you are asking us not to cut our rainforests, but you have made all your wealth after cutting the rainforests. So how are you going to bridge the gap between the haves and the have-nots? And therefore, my question is that does an ambitious GDP growth plan Hmm. contradict a sustainability strategy? So if we go back to... um... Bill Gates in the previous question, one thing that he did in fact clearly opine on was that climate change will never be solved by degrowth. Um, It's not part of human nature to do this. We live in a capitalist world, uh, which has been uh, the foundation of how we've grown over the last hundred years. And this is a hard opinion to disagree with when considering the unstoppable cogs of the global economic engine. However, 
it's sometimes a misconception to think that GDP growth contradicts sustainability strategies. Mm -hmm. On the contrary, mm -hmm. numerous studies have shown that managing the risks of climate change will directly cost us in financial terms. Mm. For example, there was a study um, that IMF did showing that delaying climate change policies will hurt GDP growth by about 0.25%, so negative 0.25% mm. annually, more so than if they were done later than climate change catastrophe grew closer and closer. Mm -hmm. So it's important for us to recognize that ultimately a better life for humans drives all of what we should do. Mm. Generally, we can't associate the quality of life with human consumption. Mm. And it comes back down to the key idea of what sustainability is to do everything in a sustainable manner. So mm. bottom line, we don't have to cut back on growth, mm -hmm. but we do have to think about how we grow. Mm. And we should think about how we grow in a sustainable fashion. Mm. Great point. Thank you. My next question is on culture, Jade. You know, we in different parts of the world handle nature, sustainability very, very differently. I wanted to ask you that how is sustainability viewed across in multiple countries and does culture have an impact on sustainability? So I definitely believe culture has an impact on sustainability. It shapes people's attitudes and values towards mm. the environment and their relationship with it. Both mm. environment, I'm talking um, social environment as well as um, ecological environment. Mm. And a good culture for me is one where people normalize caring about the society and the environment in which they um, exist. Mm. Society at large um, rather should be inward looking or not prioritizing uh, materialistic ambitions mm -hmm. um, to gain comfort and convenience. Um, at a corporate level, culture is frequently driven by management simply because they decide on what should be prioritized or necessary and what's not. Mm -hmm. The tone from the top can sometimes drive the whole culture of the firm um, and what is operationally driven, which views sustainability not just in a it shouldn't be just viewed in a positive light, but with a sense of purpose and stewardship. Hmm. So in different in different countries, um, like I alluded to before, it's about prioritizing needs. Sometimes this comes from government, um, depending on what the country is facing. Hmm. But it also promotes um, individuals' behavior. And I think um, we are seeing a trend with the newer generations where they know the environment they live in. They want to protect it. They want to conserve it. They want to create a better world to live in, um, both for underdeserved populations and underserved populations as well as more developed economies mm. how do we create that bridge that gap between the developed and the developing mm. um, coming from africa and traveling through africa for for many years yeah. and now living in asia um we can't expect people who are living on one dollar a day to afford mm. um refillable containers so how do we incentivize the corporates to assist them to be more sustainable in their behavior. So I don't want to lump it on private private sector. Yeah. Um, I think it's a consumer-driven, because um, a lot of the corporates um, feed into what their consumers are looking for. Mm -hmm. But luckily, we are starting to see those two converge. Consumers want to be more purposeful, mm -hmm. as well as then corporates want to be more purposeful. So finally, we're starting to get to a um, pivot point where hopefully things will start to shift both in mindset and behavior. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Because, you know, you, you spoke about people who live in $1 a day, but, you know, my point to you is that people who are living on $1 a day, and I've seen that in India, they never really throw anything away. They keep reusing it over and over again. 
in india for example we don't even throw the, a ball pen away we've got refills available you know so right. so you're so right absolutely and i think there's um great innovation in there um which we miss so i think sometimes the developed world misses the innovation that comes out of the developing world because of that need right because they they know how to repurpose and rework and yeah. reuse um which the developed world is now learning Hmm. Well said. So I have time for two more questions. My next question to you is about the younger generation, the millennials and the Gen Z. And I'm from the boomers generation. And I know my generation has really messed up a lot of the world. Uh, and I see the millennials and the Gen Zs coming in with a breath of fresh air into everything that is happening. I'd love to get your perspective on how are these young leaders changing the way we think about sustainability? I think they're making us accountable. I think they're saying to us that we want to live in a better world. We want to see these endangered species when we get older and we want to show our children. And what are you doing about it? How can you show us that you are being accountable for this change? Okay. Um, so I think with that accountability, it comes a lot of responsibility. I do believe that there is a big system change um, that's happening. Um, many, many people who are sitting on the boards today who are senior management, mm -hmm. it's rethinking what they've been doing maybe for their whole career, 30, 40 years. And, that, and that's really hard. It's really hard to change habits. It's really hard to change behavior. Mm -hmm. But I think there's this consciousness that is coming out from the, the younger generation, which mm -hmm. is being appreciated and which is really now taking, taking shape and taking force mm -hmm. in the corporates and the way we live and the, the changes that are happening. They, mm -hmm. They're driving that innovation. They're ambitious. They're looking for those opportunities um, from a career perspective as well. And they want to work in purposeful organizations. Um, they want to work on purposeful projects. Mm -hmm. I think that um, talent acquisition aspect is becoming very, very interesting to see how the workforce is changing um, and how it will change over the next decade. Mm -hmm. Well said. And my last question to you, Jade, and this is for the thousands of people who will listen to our conversation. Based on your you know, incredible understanding of sustainability, and uh, you've lived in so many different countries around the world, what would you say are three lessons you would want our viewers and listeners to take away on the subject of sustainability from your own knowledge and from our conversation? I think the first one which I would um, note is to stay curious. Mm. Um, sustainability is an incredibly broad topic. Yeah, um, There's no right or wrong. Um, there are many intersections mm. um, and it's going to continually growing and changing. So mm. that curiosity, the curiosity of um, how we spoke about different cultures seeing sustainability um, how different economies view sustainability and, and learning and speaking and challenging different views um, and just questioning. I think that curiosity is, is incredibly important. Mm. I think staying passionate about your cause. So mm. when I started in sustainability close to 14 years ago, mm. no one had any understanding of what I was doing. And I, I can guarantee they probably don't really understand what I'm doing now. Absolutely. But I was so passionate about, about my cause and um, something that I really wanted to do. And I stuck to my guns. Um, and I'm, I'm quite happy I did because I guess, it's, I guess it's paid off. Yep. Passion is another thing. And I, I would also recommend traveling. I think mm -hmm. through, through travel um, and experience, I'm really, really being present in different experiences, um, really just trying to understand different perspectives. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's 
helps you um, view sustainability from different angles, mm-hmm. uh, speaking to the old, speaking to the young, speaking to people in, in retail and in technology, mm-hmm. seeing what they're doing, um, understanding the trends. Um, so you don't necessarily need to get on a plane to travel. It might be just traveling by listening to podcasts, traveling, yeah. watching movies. But how do you develop your different perspectives um, and your different thoughts to mm-hmm. uh, challenge your own biases? Wonderful. And on that note, Jade, uh, in your three wonderful lessons, stay curious. You said the second one was stay passionate about your cause. And and you seem to be a living example of staying passionate about your cause. And the third one, you said travel and experiences help us to understand various perspectives around the world. Thank you so much for speaking to me about sustainability, about your journey. I learned so many new things from you about sustainability today. Thank you for speaking to me and good luck. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.